You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This is episode 73 with Beck Antonucci, breaking through emotional eating and body image stories. Today, I'm joined by Beck, and if you want to go and check her out whilst we're chatting throughout this episode, head over to Instagram and look up Beck, B-E-K, Antonucci, which is A-N-T-O-N-U-C-C-I, or just head to my Instagram and you'll find a link to her in today's latest stories or a post as well. Beck is obsessed with vulnerability, personal development, positive psychology, body acceptance, and radical self-expression. She's a personal freedom and emotional well-being coach, speaker, writer, and naked awakening facilitator. Wait till you find out what that even is. And she's the founder of a group coaching program called Being Brilliant. Beck supports women to break through ineffective self-worth and body image stories to activate their unique voice and start living their most brilliant and radically expressed lives. In this episode, Beck and I explore body comparison. We talk about her personal journey through body comparison and craving the perfect body. What even is the perfect body? This then opens up the conversation about binge eating and loving yourself first, the yo-yoing dieting and how certain things can really play a bad role in your personal comparison journey. We then open up about a question that you can ask yourselves daily, and this is something that Beck does every day, and she encourages us to do too, along with three things that we can do to break through self-judgment and breaking through vulnerability. We also talk about what you're avoiding that might be holding you back and how you can begin to unlock your emotional freedom, breaking through your own body image stories. So get ready to sit back, walk drive, whatever it is that you're currently doing whilst you listen to this podcast episode and enjoy as Beck opens up about a beautiful body image story and how we can help you overcome your own body image stories too. Beck, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. I'm, I feel very blessed that you've made time to, to chat with me today and to delve into some really beautiful topics that I feel like I'm not being openly spoken about um, in the world of women's health today. But before we jump into it, tell us, Beck, what day of your cycle are you on today and what are you checking in with? Mm, I am on day four of my cycle and I'm checking in with feeling my, my energy really rise and looking forward to a really clear week of work ahead. I feel as though after my cycle, that's kind of like my, my coach calls it machine gun week. So I'm putting in the action steps to really take advantage of the seven days that's coming forward. Fantastic. You're ready to welcome in your inner spring. <laughs> it is the creative, the creative and create tricks time of your cycle. So I definitely know I'm on day one of my cycle today and I'm definitely in the, oh, do I have to plan today kind of phase? <laughs> like I'll do, can I just do that in a few days time? So um, I love that. Now tell us, um, for the listeners who have never heard of you before, like what is it that you do, Beck? And how did you get to where where you are today in being obsessed with vulnerability and personal development and body acceptance and you know all of those things? Yeah, amazing. So I support women to break through ineffective self-worth and body image stories 
to activate their unique voice and live their most radically expressed and brilliant life. So I do that through a number of different modalities. I'm a one-on-one coach for women, personal freedom, emotional wellbeing coach. I also run a group program called Being Brilliant and I'm a Naked Awakening facilitator. And that's run through Rosie Reeves, who I know that you've interviewed before. How I got into this is a really long-winded journey that, re- that started in high school. Um, in high school, I was bullied severely and to the point of attempted suicide. And I went to a prestige all-girl high school. And I was very fearful from that point onwards that women in this world would never, ever, ever accept me. Because you know what it's like when you're 15 years old and it feels like high school is the entire world. And when it mm-hmm. felt like the entire school hated me for no reason, um, other than just me being who I am, I felt like perhaps I was not safe in the outer world and would never be accepted. And from that point, I exhausted women and then I went on to men and I had my first boyfriend and that ended abruptly and through an act of physical violence when I was 19. He physically assaulted me, uh, punched me in my head, knocked me unconscious. And that's how our relationship uh, came to an end. And so at 19 years old, I was very fearful of the world fearful that I would never be loved, never be accepted, and that both men and women would never accept me. And from that point, I decided that I would join a gym. I thought that if I looked physically strong, then potentially people wouldn't attempt to hurt me, either physically or emotionally. And what I didn't know, uh, after five years of being called the nastiest names under the sun at high school, is that I'm a very attractive female. So as I started to get fit and work out and apply this diet that my personal trainer gave me. My body image started to transform rapidly and very quickly. I looked like a little sports model, very lean, very athletic, very muscular. And I was training in this very busy gym. I was so scared. This entire time I was like this little girl shaking out, only felt safe with my female personal trainer. And all of a sudden in this very busy gym, everyone started being very nice to me. Everyone knew my name. Men were asking to date me. Women were inviting me places. I had plans on the weekend or they were asking to work out with me. Uh, Facebook was only very new. I had all of these Facebook friend requests. And I associated from that point looking good with being liked and I associated being liked with not being hurt. And that's where my journey of body image really stemmed from. I started excessively dieting, restrictive uh, dieting, yo-yo dieting, I trained for sports modeling competitions, bodybuilding competitions, and then it became this yo-yo of gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, and which just the cycle continued of me trying to look a certain way to gain love and acceptance. And every time there was a high, it would follow with a huge crash, which would be bulimia, binge eating, laxative abuse. You know, I lost my period for a number of years, and the, and the cycle just kept going and kept going and kept going. There'd be another thing that I would aim for, another competition, another event, another diet. Uh, I went through uh, breast enhancement surgery twice because I had a horror overseas surgery. And then the final straw that I guess broke the camel's back before I really deep dove into my own self-worth and self-discovery was at 25, I left a partner who I really loved. And the man that I left him for gave me an STI, which is herpes. So that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. (laughs) Wow. I can definitely resonate so much on the journey at school and, you know, feeling not good enough in in yourself. I I, I wouldn't say that I I was ever bullied at school, but I know working with mums today and in schools, 
the pressure on children like teens and tweens, particularly females to look a certain way is just huge. And if you think back to like our age bracket, when we were that age, you know, we had the dolly mag, <laughs> like, and you know, magazines we'd look at maybe once a month, maybe a few times a month. Whereas today we have access to images and social feeds like constantly throughout the day. And you can just imagine what, you know, would come from that today. I want to say that we grew up in the best era. I'm so grateful for it. We grew up as kids playing in high school. It was some of the most challenging years of my life and no mobile phone. Mm. I don't know how with the journey that I had, how I'm an incredibly strong woman now because of my journey, but I don't know how Rebecca then, who was not as strong as she is right now, nowhere near as strong, if she would have really been able to break through and last through high school with the pressures of a mobile phone. It would have been a really challenging time. So I really... I, I can um, empathise with parents going through that now with their children. I have uh, friends who are a little bit older than me with kids in high school going through exactly that and that question what it's going to be like the experience for us. Mm. Really great questions. And I think all parents can definitely reflect over that and, and resonate in some way. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about the journey of your body because I know that all the women listening here, we all have something we don't like about our bodies. Mm-hmm. So let's just everyone for a moment, let's just take a, <laughs> a moment to think about what is the aspect of your body that you don't like? I did a, an Instagram post last week about everybody is perfect. Mm-hmm. And I talked about my knees and I ha- how I have nana knees, which is a bit of a running joke in um, my family and extended family. And I've always hated my knees. And when I was 15, you know, I played a lot of sport and I hated wearing anything long, like shorter than my knees. Everything had to like be knee length or longer. And um, that was like, that's always just been a part of my body that I've really, really not liked. And people are like, are you crazy? Like you've got great legs. I'm like, dude, you're crazy for thinking that. So we all have that. And I know that um, the listeners, you know, if you're listening to this, I know that you've got something in your body that you don't like to, and that's okay because that clearly comes from comparison. So let's talk about your body journey, Beck, and mm-hmm. how you went to, or from, I should say, you know, feeling inadequate in your body and like, well, I need to get breast implants, um, which is another whole story we could talk about. Or, you know, I need to look a certain way and therefore I need to be thinner. I need to be more toned to where you are in your body right now. And how does that look for you today? So expand Mm. on your journey. Beautiful. Uh, So my journey started with me aiming for a competition. And what I didn't realize was I thought that on that day that that would unlock something. I didn't realize I was avoiding emotional pain, which was the girls who believed me in high school and the boyfriend who hit me in the head. What I thought it would do was unlock something, happiness, freedom, doves would fall out of the sky and all of a sudden I was <laughs> about, no, I honestly thought like the day would come and I'd have this huge expectation of like my happiness or my freedom or whatever uncomfortable emotion that is going on inside me, I'll be free of that when the day comes. Mm-hmm. And so I would excessively diet for eight months. I wouldn't eat any carbohydrate, whatever the thing was that I thought would get me the perfect body, which I thought the perfect body would have the doves fall out of the sky on this particular day. I would do that and it would be a traumatic, painful experience because it's not fun for anyone. It's not fun for myself. It's not fun for any person in my life when you go through that very extreme eight-month journey. And on the day would come 
and nothing would, there, there would be no change. Emotionally, I thought that something would, would be free within me. And from that point, I would then spiral the opposite way. And that's when I would start eating and then uncontrollably eating and then spending, I mean, I have periods of my life that are blocked out where I would just binge. And when you binge eat, you do not enjoy. I did not enjoy any single thing. I ate everything and I enjoyed not one bit of it. And there's a chemical imbalance going on and you feel compulsed. I felt compulsed to just keep eating and you eat yourself into oblivion and it's quite disgusting. And there's not a part, and you're not, you're disgusted as you're doing it, as I was doing it. And there was a part of me that just couldn't stop. And then I'd purge. And then I'd take so many bottles of laxatives. There's been times where I've woken up in the bathroom covered in vomit. I blanked out in that room. And so this went for three years, extremely. Um, And it got to a point where I knew it couldn't keep going anymore. And it got to a point where someone in my life who really loved me also knew that it couldn't keep going. And that person was attempting to help me and giving me all different kinds of ultimatums, seeing what would be the thing that would help snap back out of it. And we ended up going on a holiday and the ultimatum was we're going to go away together and enjoy our time together and eat everything and anything that we want. And when we come home, we're just going to be healthy. We're not going to diet extremely. We're not going to aim for competitions. We're not going to stick to anything. We're just going to be healthy and see what that does. And what that kind of pattern disrupted me for, I don't know what reason, but it was the thing that snapped me out of it, realizing that I tried so hard for so long to look a certain way and I just felt like I was gaining weight, gaining weight, gaining weight and hating myself. When I went away and enjoyed myself for two weeks with no restrictions and no rules, my body didn't really change. And so what I really identified there was it was the restriction and the compulsive thought that was creating all of this pain in my present reality. And when I just tried to be healthy without any compulsive thoughts, compulsive dieting, it really amplified my life and made it better. So that was kind of the journey that I went on there to start eating healthy again, to start recreating a relationship with food, to realize that fruit wasn't going to make me fat and to realize that the people who love me don't love me any more or any less if I'm five kilos more or five kilos less. And then when it came to my breasts, I would naturally, I'm a naturally curvaceous girl. When I lost all of my weight, I went from say 60 kilos to 47 and a half. Wow. So, and yeah. how tall are you? Just to put that into perspective for those listening. Well, I think I'm 153.5 centimeters. I'm not very tall. Five, four. Okay. Yep. Um, so I'm a naturally very curvaceous girl. I've had size D, double D breasts since year nine. So when I lost all of my weight, they went down to an A cup. And every, every kind of glamour fitness model has really large fake breasts. So I wanted to be just like my inspos. I was addicted to Instagram, scrolling all the fitspos. They all had fake boobs. So I realised I obviously need them too. That will, and what I thought was, that will be the thing that will bring me peace of and acceptance of myself. When and I even, have the boobs, I'll accept myself. Yeah, when I get them, I will, all, I will love myself, which means that I'll heal my relationship with food, which means I'll heal my relationship with body. 
Uh, I'll get the boobs. I'll be so happy. I'll stop binge eating. I'll get the boobs. I'll be so happy. I'll stop hating myself. I'll get the boobs. I'll be so happy. Everything will be easy once I get the boobs. Everyone else told me, do what you want. And I don't think this is the solution. And deep within me, I knew that. But I was sure that someone somewhere had the key to this unlocking my emotional freedom. Thought it was a diet. Next thing, I thought it was a different fitness professional. I had all the different personal trainers. The next thing was the breasts. And I went overseas for them. And I came back with a horror breast overseas surgery. And there's a photo on my Instagram that you can, you can go and see. And I, didn't, I went into Nile for two years and it's pretty horrific. So I had, there, I had to wear them for two years. And I feel like that was divinely placed on my path. I'm, I'm very spiritual. And I feel like that was another sign from the universe of you're not going to find your peace, love and acceptance of yourself in the mirror. You're not going to find, Rebecca, your peace, love and acceptance in another person. Because it's quite easy for me to get you to accept me. For all of my perceived faults and flaws, I could say to you, I have herpes. And you can say, oh, I still love you. And then I can be like, but I still don't love me because of it. It's not mm. you telling me that you accept me as I am, that's easy. It's me saying, I have herpes and I still love myself. It's me saying, I had a horror overseas breast surgery for two years and I still love myself. It's me saying, if I'm ever triggered and I go back to my old thoughts, old ineffective subconscious beliefs about my body, oh, they're there, it doesn't make them my truth and I still love myself. And so that was just another divine intervention from the universe telling me you have to, Rebecca, start looking within. And so to, to really 360 and come all the way back around to where I am now, it's been a lot of work on my ineffective subconscious beliefs. It's been a lot of work understanding what I was avoiding and what I thought the body would bring me, freedom from the thoughts of not being good enough, not being accepted in high school, proving like I would be on the treadmill, like do another 15 minutes just and then I would repeat in my head all the things the girls used to scream at me and be like, got to prove them wrong, got to prove them wrong, got to prove them wrong. I didn't consciously know I was doing that. And so that's shown up everywhere in my life. And so if I didn't have to prove them wrong and if I just truly loved and accepted myself exactly as I am, who would I be? Would I be a girl on a treadmill for an hour and 30 minutes a day? Would I be a girl eating broccoli and chicken for breakfast, lunch and dinner? No, if I didn't think that I was trying to prove the boyfriend that punched me in the head that I am good enough to be loved. If that wasn't my, my core belief was I must be this awful, horrible person that's so unworthy that she gets to be punched in the head, then I wouldn't be doing all of those things. And so that was when I really got to address that part of me and start to reframe my thoughts about my body every time I speak terribly about my body because I, it's a learned behaviour that mm. has been on repeat in the back of my mind for 10 plus years, I, I catch it. I don't say it ever goes away. I believe it's a trigger just like drugs, just like alcohol, just like sugar, whatever your trigger is, if it's body image, whenever you are triggered, whenever you feel rejected, whenever your friend says something that hurts your feelings, there is a potential for that ineffective belief to rise to the surface. I don't believe it ever just dissipates. But it's about having an awareness and be like, oh, thought that's been there for 10 years. I hear you. You're not my truth. I understand that's wounded 15-year-old Rebecca thinking that she's not good enough. I'm just going to go back and love on her, tell her she's okay, and reframe that thought into something really empowering for me right now. So instead of I need to start a diet on Monday, it's no, I love my body is exactly as she is right now. All that I can see and all that I can't see, every single part, every single aspect of that, 
I love her so much. And that's how I really got into the Naked Awakening work. What a journey. Mm. I, um, I love before when you said about the implants is that oh, when I get the boobs, I'll have this. And when I have the boobs and this will fall away. And then when I have the boobs, I'll gain this in my life. It makes you question, not just you, but like anyone who's listening or everyone who's listening to this is that what is the gap when I have beep, I'll feel this. Is that what is the thing in your life that is filling that, that fills that blank space? You know, when I have a partner, I'll have this in my life. Or when I have children, I'll have this in my life. Or when I buy the house, I'll have this in my life. Or when I make this much money, I'll have this in my life. And these are very just stereotypical, like stereotypical basic things, but we all have them. And I love that you, you learned that example through it being physically on your body. Well, I didn't just learn it. I, I believe my mentor, Preston Smiles, teaches everything, touches everything. It showed up. every. I exhausted mm. every option. The perfect body, ooh, wasn't that. The fake breast, ooh, wasn't that. The big car, the really expensive car, ooh, wasn't that. But I live in a beautiful house that I love. And I also, when I first moved into it, I loved that it's on a main street in Perth where people drive by and people can see my nice car parked out in front of my big house. And I love the validation that came from that. Like, oh, they're going to think that I'm good enough and I'm doing better than them. Oh, wasn't that job title. Did this job that I hated with this boss that didn't treat me well, but I love the validation of the job title. I was like, I don't care if people think I'm, as long as people think I'm doing good, I will go through the struggle. Oh, wasn't that. And so I exhausted every single thing that I thought would be the thing once I get the job title, once I get X amount of dollars a year, once I get, and then that feeling would never come. And I was like, shit, I don't know mm. what to try for anymore to get whatever I think I'm trying to get. And that was the sign of, well, you've only got one place to go, girlfriend, and that's within yourself. There's, no, there's nothing else to exhaust. Another holiday? What are you avoiding? That's constantly the question that I come back to when women are, or men are going through an intense journey and they're feeling compulsed about something, I always ask them to sit with, what, is, what do you think you're avoiding? I actually typed that note out, that exact question about what are you avoiding? Because it's such a reflective question. Every day we can ask that. What are you avoiding? Like what is it in your, in your life today that you're avoiding? And it could be just doing the dishes, mm-hmm. you know, or it can be having an awkward, vulnerable conversation. And that leads us to vulnerability and embracing vulnerability. Before we go there, though, Beck, um, you mentioned that, you know, that this is this journey led you to doing the Naked Awakening, which a friend of mine, Rosie Rees, um, facilitates and runs. But what is Naked Awakening? Just really briefly. Naked Awakening is basically ancient women's work, women sitting in circle together, where we integrate movement practices and nudity to really come to a place of peace, love and acceptance of our physical body. We incorporate vulnerability. Um, expression, movement, and it's women sitting in circle together. And as we strip back essentially the layers and bear all, we get to really free ourselves of all the masks that society has placed on us and just be completely bare who we are and bear our soul and really be exposed and witnessed by all the other women in the circle around us seeing us. And what always happens in the circle is we think, the individual thinks, I... I experience guilt and shame because of this thing that I believe makes me this awful, terrible person. And as we share 
our vulnerability, our unique truth, every other woman looks around and witnesses us with the most beautiful loving eyes. And we realise that the only person ever judging ourselves was the self. And that's mm. the only judgment because as long as I judge myself, it feels like the whole world is judging me. As soon as I remove that judgment, no one can judge me because I don't judge me. And it's a really profound and deeply healing experience for every woman that, that comes and sits with us. I love that. Let's talk on judgment and self-judgment and then projected judgment, like what we think people are judging. So for the women who are listening um, to this, Beck, who, who judge themselves for whatever specific reason, let's, let's make it something around body image or their menstrual cycle. But if they judge themselves because their boobs look a certain way or they judge themselves because they have cellulite. Like I, I saw a girl post on Instagram to a friend I'm 24 and I've got really bad cellulite. Is it going to be like this for the rest of my life? <laughs> you know, like that's, ju- that's self-judgment. So for the women who experience judgment, what are three things they could do today to help them work through what it is that they're judging about themselves? All right, beautiful. I would, un- I would very unconsciously write down what that thing is it's my, say it's, let's go overarching layer. It's my body. Write down every single thing that you think about your body. Everything. Be as unconscious as possible. I hate my, like my thing used to be my stomach in the back of my arms. And that was the entire reason I hate my stomach. She's too this. I hate the way that she looks in bikinis. I hate the, whatever it is, be as unconscious as possible. Read that list. And now I believe that every single thing in our life is a relationship. And I always ask, if you were in a relationship with a person and the other person was speaking to you the way you're speaking to that thing in this instance, your body, would you be in relationship with that person? 10 out of 10 times, the person will always say no. And you get to realise that you're the creator of that relationship. Your body wants to be in relationship with you. She's never left you, never broken up with you, always shows up for you. So how can we rewrite those rewrite that list so that it's a healthy, beautiful, loving, passionate, intimate relationship where it's not just her being like, please love me. I'm here. I'm showing up every day. I'm asking you to, and you're rejecting me day after day after day. How? So then I would rewrite that. What does a beautiful relationship with your body look like? What does a beautiful relationship with your body feel like? The human being attaches to the feeling. So the woman says, I want to lose weight. And then the woman is, generalisation, always on this wanting to lose weight bandwagon. What she doesn't attach to is the feeling of what does maybe eating a little bit healthier achieve for you? So it's not losing weight. The head doesn't care about losing weight. What it cares about is, oh, now this summer, instead of telling my kids we're not going to the beach because I'm so embarrassed about my body in bikinis, I'm on the beach with my kids this summer playing and building sandcastles. And the feeling of playing with my children on the beach when last summer I made them hide in the backyard and play in the paddling pool because I was too embarrassed to go to the beach. So I would rewrite, specifically rewrite, what a beautiful, healthy, loving, vibrant, brilliant relationship looks like and feels like for you. And then you get to attach to that feeling. And then every time the unconscious beliefs arrive, you get to reframe that belief. Okay, I hate my stomach not an effective thought. How can you rewrite that, catch that thought and say something really beautiful, empowering and loving so that your body doesn't feel rejected by you all day long? 
I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by the Well Women Academy. Well Women Academy is a weekly membership where together we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. Led by myself and other pioneering guest teachers, together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and lots more. This is your chance to join an international supportive community of women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's like no other in the world. Not to mention, it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. Learn more and join us at wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E dot com forward slash academy. They're such beautiful tips. I feel also that women, they get, they discover how they're judging themselves or what they're judging, but then they get stuck in the judgment because they've judged themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of such a vicious circle. And to give an analogy for the vicious cycle of that, it's very much like the yo-yo cycle of emotional eating, hmm. which we can see, oh, you diet, then you binge, and then you diet, and then you binge, and then you diet, and then you binge. So we can see that flow and that pattern. But when it comes to the mind, you can't see the mind. It's not like a physical thing. So the thought process, you can't be like, oh, I can see that I was judging my stomach oh, and now I'm judging myself that I judged my stomach. And I think a number of women, Beck, and you would see this with the women that you work with too, forget that we grew up in a world where we were encouraged to judge in some way, shape or form. You know, animal instincts, we've always been judging, judging, okay, is this going to, out of a herd of animals, which animal is going to be the best to kill or the easiest to kill? So we judge that. But then we go to school and we judge ourselves for going, you know, the fastest or the slowest in a race. Do we get an A or a, or a C? Am I tall? Am I short? And we get judged and it really stems from there. So I think that it's important for women to just recognize that whatever it is that you feel about yourselves or the way that you look at yourself is that it's easy for us to say, don't judge, but to acknowledge that you will judge, but acknowledge that you are judging Mm. when you judge i always tell my clients we don't need to right and wrong ourselves for our emotions like i've caught myself judging myself and now i'm going to wrong myself for that Mm. i feel like that's the most ineffective thing we can do versus oh i was judging myself creating awareness around it and what do i choose for next time what do i recommit to what feels better for me what's actually going to be a healthy loving relationship with my body whatever it is, why are you judging? Identifying that rather than, oh, I caught myself judging, I'm a terrible bad person and then kind of putting ourselves in that negative cycle. I think a good example of that would be like eating a block of chocolate is that you're halfway through eating the chocolate and then you're like, oh, crap, I'm judging myself now because I'm eating the chocolate and I feel bad for eating the chocolate. So you have the choice then and there. Do you be like, you know what? Ah, fuck it. I'm just going to keep judging myself eating chocolate. I'll just finish the block. Or do you go, okay, wow, 
I'm really stressed today. I'm feeling a little bit emotionally over, over drained. I'm going to just pop the chocolate away. I'm going to go outside for a little walk, going to make myself a warm tea or grab a glass of water. And I'm going to put some music on. I'm just going to change my state and not judge myself that I did eat the chocolate or too much chocolate because it's not unhealthy to eat chocolate, but quantity over um, anything is, is the thing you want to look at. But we can judge ourselves in that aspect. And I think that gives a good example is that are you the, are you the woman who judges yourself and just finishes the block of chocolate and then judges yourself that you have to go exercise it all off? Or are you able to, to process and go, you know what, I've just recognized this is what my behavior has been. Okay. What is it that I can do now to like make an adjustment to that? And also it's about awareness. I mean, I know chocolate is a trigger food for me. It's not all sugar. It's there's four. I, uh, I I identified my trigger foods, which is chocolate, raw treats, dates, and peanut butter. So I don't put them in my house. If I buy a block of chocolate, I will eat the entire thing. If I buy a jar of peanut butter, it will last two days in my cupboard before I've eaten it all with a spoon. So sometimes when I'm triggered and I'm going around the shop and I grab a thing, I grab a jar of peanut butter because I'm like, oh, I want peanut butter in my smoothie. I then look at it and I think. There's going to be a moment where I see that jar at 8.30 p.m. where I'm like, just a teaspoon, just a teaspoon. And it's going to be an, end up being half a jar. And at the end of half a jar, I'm going to be like, did you have to do that? I'm so annoyed that you, you did that. And then I'm going to go to bed with a lower vibrational frequency of guilt and shame and frustration and annoyance. I'm going to carry that frustration to bed. I'm going to sleep in the state of frustrated. I'm going to wake up in a lower vibrational frequency the next morning because I'm so annoyed with myself. And then that will carry out throughout my day. So then I walk around the shops with the jar of peanut butter in my basket and I decide, I know, it doesn't make me a weak person. I know that there's four particular foods that really trigger an old version of Beck that isn't healthy for me. It's chocolate, raw treats, peanut butter and dates. Do you want that jar of peanut butter? And then I say to myself, Rebecca, you have full permission. If you want that jar of peanut butter and you want to eat it within two days, you can. I'm not giving you rules, but just know you already know what the outcome of eating it's going to be and how you're going to feel throughout the night for the sleep and the emotion that you're carrying into the next day. Now you can choose what's going to be best for you. And typically what happens is I pick up the jar and I put it back. It's such a good thought process that you've just shared there. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, oh, my head is like spinning with just so many great aspects around this conversation. I feel when you've had a disordered eating journey, it's really great to have an awareness around the foods that will do that too. I feel that's one of the most helpful things I've ever done. And I can replace that jar with, I'll go and get a bag of popcorn, the organic popcorn. I'll go and get, I love frozen fruit. I'll go and get frozen fruit from the freezer section. I'll go and get a box of cyclone icy poles. I'll go and get some kind of sugar or treaty kind of food that I love, that I enjoy, not to the extent that I enjoy chocolate or peanut butter, but there's no binge attached to it. There's no negative emotion. like I will eat the frozen fruit or I'll eat the popcorn. I'll be like, yep, I ate the popcorn, move on from it. It's the food that my mind attaches thought to that then the thought carries on. That's the food that I know triggers an ineffective version of that. So for me, it's about identifying it, eating and moving on from whatever I ate. If there's thoughts that are going to be carried on from the food that I ate, it's a trigger and it brings out an ineffective version of me and I feel for my clients that have gone on severe disordered eating journeys, identifying their trigger foods has been something that great has achieved so much success when it comes to healing their relationship with food. 
Mm, it's so powerful and I think it's such a great take-home for everyone listening including myself like what are your trigger foods like I know what mine are I would definitely say that peanut butter is one of my trigger foods too Um, I totally get that habit off my mother Um, I hope she never listens to this podcast episode Um, but it's it's alert behavior and you know she used to hide herself eating it in the pantry and so that behavior is something that I learned from a very young age And she wasn't hiding from anyone but us kids who we didn't really know what was going on, but we kind of knew what was going on. Um, So yeah, that's definitely a trigger food for me, but great question. Like if you, um, for for you guys as listeners, like what are your four or up to five top trigger foods? And if it's not in your house, you're not going to eat it. That's why where I think diet culture goes really wrong because there's a cut out sugar and that's a big thing to take on. You can't and, cut out carbs. Well, yeah, exactly. But say, let's go like really radical, like sugar is in lollies, chocolate, fruit. Processed Sweet. sugars. Okay. Processed sugars and fruits. Do you really need to cut out all sugar? That's a huge, huge feat to take on, a huge mountain to climb. Is it really sick? And is sugar the problem? Or is there just a certain amount of the food groups in there, certain items that are your five sugar pieces that trigger that old version of you that's ineffective. I think for me, I feel like that's so much more effective. So much more effective, like totally more effective. And I think that another element you could add into there, Beck, is that, you know, eating in tune with your menstrual cycle is that when you're aware, so let's go back to the story of that you're halfway through the block of chocolate and you're like, oh my God, I just ate half a block of chocolate. Like, do I keep eating the chocolate and finish it off so it's not there anymore? Do I just walk out to the willy bin and throw it in the willy bin? Or am I okay to fold it up, pop it in the fridge and then just, you know, change what I, like what it is that I'm doing? Is that if you can recognize, okay, where am I in my menstrual cycle right now? Am I in a stage of my cycle where my hormones are up and down a little bit and I'm naturally moving closer towards premenstruation. And so one, your body naturally craves more chocolate at that time of your cycle. Good quality chocolate also has good nutrients in it, which support premenstruation and menstruation. So that's a really good fun fact. But if you're binging on the chocolate and you're on day 10 of your cycle, that's out of alignment with the behavior of your cycle. So that's when you need to look, okay, hang on a second. What's going on in my life? What's the interrelationship with me and the external part of my life that's contributing to this current behavior that's making me feel an emotional way that is leading to me acting out with this behavior? And what am I avoiding? Exactly. What are you avoiding? Are you you avoiding often when I like to say that when we're filling ourselves up with a food, there's a hole there that's somewhere else in your life that you haven't fulfilled or isn't being fulfilled. And often I know we spoke um, very early on, you know, in the episode about, you know, loving yourself first Mm. and it comes back to your relationship with you before relationships with anybody else. And you mentioned everything in your life is a relationship, but ultimately the most important relationship is the relationship with you, your relationship with yourself. So Let's, um, as we're, we're nearly out of time, but let's turn to our, like our, our self relationships back and talk about vulnerability mm-hmm. because I know that it can be very vulnerable to work on your relationship with yourself. And we all have elements and moments in our life where we are called to break through vulnerability, but it's too uncomfortable. And often we quite, we quite often don't do it. 
But if we wanted to work on our level of vulnerability and stepping into vulnerability, what are some things that we could do um, for ourselves to help improve that relationship with ourselves? Ooh, I think really asking the question and sitting with it, like what am I avoiding and trying to be really honest here. And it can feel confronting to actually own. I feel so rejected that in high school, those girls screamed at me every single day that I'm discussing and I can I believe those thoughts. And I spent 10 plus years trying to prove them wrong, like really sitting and asking like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I creating all of these ineffective behaviors? Why am I binge eating? Why am I trying, hating myself when I look in the mirror? And really coming back to it's got nothing to do with the woman that you see in the reflection because there, I've had every version of my body under the sun. I've had the perfect Instagram body and hated myself just as much, if not more, than what I had without it. So realising that whatever you see in the reflection is just going to be a reflection of what you're feeling from the inside. If you're feeling amazing on the inside, that woman that you see when you look at her she is going to be, you're just going to look at her and be like, I love you. You show up for me every day. I love you. We are so capable. Together, mind, body, soul, we're capable of everything and anything. But really coming back to what is it that I'm avoiding? What are my perceived faults and flaws that I think make me less than and unworthy? Where did I create that idea? Because that's not true. That's just an ineffective belief system running in the back of your mind, which is taking up so much space in your energetic body. And so for us to really fill up that space and cultivate all the goodness and all the confidence and all the inner self-belief, we cannot do that. We can't just be like, okay, confidence piles on top of the lack of self-worth and the ineffective belief systems and I'm just going to cover it up. What we get to do first is strip it back. What is the thought that's taking up all the space in the, in the energetic body? What is that ineffective belief system? And you know it. You get to sit there and meditate on it and ask, what is that ineffective narrative that's running my day-to-day -day life? I'm not good enough. I should lose weight. I should be married by now. I'm not successful enough. I don't have enough money. No man is ever going to love me. I'll never be accepted because of my STI status. My boobs are saggy. I need to go and get surgery. Whatever before I'm deserving or am worthy of fill in the blank, most usually love and acceptance. Mm. And ask where that thought came from. Go back and nurture that version of yourself that you didn't love then because she's in within you. I believe our inner child, that wounded aspect of self is within us. Recreate a relationship with her. Love on her. And then come back to where was that wound created? Where did that ineffective belief system come from? Really deep dive into that belief system. And once we destroy and uncreate it, then you have the space in the body. Now what do I want to fill that space with? Self-belief, self-worth, confidence, capability, loving my body exactly as she is with nothing to change, no weight to lose, exactly as I am in this right now moment, perfect, whole and complete, but ever evolving. That's how I believe that we do that. But first we get to really identify the ineffective narrative that's running our life. Beautiful. I'm not going to expand on that anymore because you just did such a great overview and I think as we sum up Beck, that something that you mentioned earlier about your journey was when you went on the two week holiday and you were like, look, we're, we're just going to go on holiday. We're not going to have any restrictions. We're just going to eat what we want. We're going to do what we want. We're going to just have a great time. And then when we come back, we're not going to focus on something. We're just going to be healthy. 
Mm. And you noticed, or you mentioned that you, um, you noticed that your body would kind of stay the same is I want women to recognize that it's not just the food and the movement that changes how we feel and how we look. It's your entire interrelationship with your whole body. And I know that, you know, even through this COVID experience and, you know, not being able to go to gyms and, you know, go to yoga studios and whatnot, my body like stayed exactly the same, even though I wasn't practicing yoga anywhere near as much, like not even 20% as much as what I would normally practice. And it just comes back to the fact that it's your daily habits, your daily thought processes, your daily ability to care for yourself that contributes to how you look and how you feel, not the restriction. And I, um, I forgot to mention that earlier, so I just wanted to add that in. But Beck, you've shared so many amazing things. And I have a final question for you before we wrap up. And it's totally switching gears. I ask all of our guests this, but I want you to think back to your younger menstruating self. So you as the, you know, the 14, 15 year old girl at school, when you started menstruating, what are three tips that you would give to your younger menstruating self around getting your period and menstruation in your cycle that you know now that you wish you knew then? Mm. I think firstly, I feel like it's totally normal. This is a beautiful thing. I associated so much shame with it. I was so embarrassed to get my period. I remember um, getting it at a, a like community festival and seeing this red stain on the back of my pants and being mortified and finding a poster and walking around this festival with a poster behind me. And so I find it really interesting that a lot of my journey is about sex and sexual shame. And when it comes to my period, the very first thought that I remember is so much shame. And that's such a low vibrational emotion to be in and to wrong our beautiful body, our yoni of this amazing thing that she does that gives us energy, creates life. I think the main thing that I would really say is there's no shame. Like in terms of tips, there's no shame. You get to be so open about this. This is a beautiful, amazing experience that you're going through. You should be so excited because I thrive off the energy of excitement. So I would go back to my younger self and tell her how exciting it is because younger children love excitement too. We're all that inner child. So telling her it's not shameful, it's so exciting and it gets to be spoken about. They're like my three key things. No shame and I always feel like you need to follow up what you don't want with what you want. So no shame, so much excitement, excitement and joy and it gets to be spoken openly about. I love that. They're so beautiful. Beck, thank you so much. Now, for our listeners, how can they find you? How can they learn more about what it is that Beck does and what's the best platform to find you on? Beautiful. Just head over to my Instagram. I'm very active on there. Beck Antonucci, I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes. Beck with a K. I love when people jump on, engage. Uh, any lady or gentleman, if he's listening for his daughters, his wife, his girlfriend, um, you know, a lot of people contact me around that whole STI thing. I'm very open and yeah, just love having you come in and join the fun. Well, I will pop all those links in the show notes and maybe we need to do another whole episode just about STIs because it's such an important topic. Um, but Beck, I've loved having you on the episode and I'm sure all the women who are listening to this and the men too have learned a lot about body comparison, body judgment, and just opening themselves up to being more vulnerable with their self-relationship. So I really thank you so much for joining us um, today and taking some time out. 
No, thank you so much for having me. It was so amazing. I loved it. Mm, me too. We'll have an amazing day and let's do this again soon. Well, I hope so. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle. <laughs>